Well, this morning we're going to dig into our word. We're in the midst of an incredible series talking about much more. Not only has God got much more for you in your life, but he wants to do so much more through your life. And in that process, he wants your life to be blessed and fulfilled. Now, we started last week, and we titled uh, the, the subtitle was Taking the Journey. And so we've been looking at some spiritual and practical tools that will help us to go on this journey as we possess more territory in our lives, in our families, in our church, and in our community. Now, if you remember, we ended last week on point five, which was identify your barriers. We have to be wise in identifying or seeing the obstacles or hindrances to reaching the destination we're trusting God for. And the reason for this is that then we know what to pray for, we know what to ask help for, and we know what we're going to trust God for. You can go back and you can download that off our website off the, or here off YouTube and you can listen to it if you missed it. So we're going to carry on today in point number six. What is the six spiritual or practical tip that I can use to keep on along this journey? So number six is this, keep building your inner life. I was talking with a ministry friend this week, and we were just talking about sometimes how we encounter spiritual warfare, and we go through things in life, and how in those moments we discover how awesome God is, and how our lives can progress. And uh, he was just saying, you know, that it's so easy for us to forget that the spiritual world is much more real even than the natural world. As a matter of fact, it's not just real, but it's way more powerful than the natural world. You see, we need to remind ourselves constantly that we are a spirit, that we live in a body, and that we have a soul. The real you is your spiritual man. And so it's in this regard we're talking about, we've got to keep on building our inner life. Let's go back to our story of Abraham and his servant Eleazar here in Genesis 24 verse 9. And uh, Abraham, after sharing with Eleazar what he was to do, Eleazar responds, look at this, and so the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master and swore to him concerning this matter. So the first thing we identify here about Eleazar, that immediately we see his heart was for Abraham. His commitment was to Abraham. And so it exposes for us that his heart and his motives were pure. That is so important. And I want to just talk to you a little bit about something the Lord uh, blessed me with this week as I was just studying this, and it takes on the form of the symbolism that we see in this incredibly beautiful story. Well, firstly, we see Abraham is a picture of Father God. We see, secondly, that Isaac, who was Abraham's son, is a picture of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Eleazar is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now, why do I say that? Well, think about it. Father God sent his son Jesus to save the world and to bring the world back to him. When Jesus left, he said, 
I will leave and send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit specifically said, I'll not speak of my own, but I will show you what Jesus and the Father are doing and have done. So it's a picture of the Holy Spirit revealing Christ to us as a servant. He comes alongside us to walk with us and lead us into a perfect relationship with Jesus. Now, what did Abraham do? He sent Eleazar to find a bride for his son Isaac. The Holy Spirit has been sent into this earth to draw the children of God. And what do we refer to in Ephesians? We are the bride of Christ. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to fetch us, prepare us, and bring us into close fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? And so that's why the scripture we looked at last week in Matthew 6, verse 33, is so important. Look at it in the NLT version. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Remember last week we started unpacking a little bit is about what is the kingdom of God and what is living righteously. Well, we need to remember this as we continue along that thought is that the kingdom of God is within us. Jesus actually said in John 17, 21, he said, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So seeking the kingdom of God is learning to walk every day with Jesus. If you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, he's living in you. And you know what? He wants to live in a good, clean, spiritual home. That's why your inner life is very important to God, and it's important to you. So seeking his kingdom is literally walking every day with Jesus and then allowing the Holy Spirit to help us to have a Christ consciousness rather than a sin consciousness. When that begins to happen consistently, our outside life will begin to look more and more like our inside life. And this means we'll be ready to make the changes we need to make. How many are so often, as humans, we're unwilling to make the changes we need to make so that we can get better? As a matter of fact, if we're really honest, sometimes we just want God to do all the changes. We want God to change us. We want God to do everything, make it right, and even change the people around us. But the key to change is you and I making small, little inward adjustments by letting the Holy Spirit take hold of us and work in us. That's seeking the kingdom and his righteousness. You know what happens? Our lives then align with his word, and it starts to fill up and spill out of our lives, and it changes us on the outside, and it begins to change the world around us. Do you realize today, can I encourage you with this? Can I encourage us today? God has the infinite ability because of Jesus to solve any problem, to heal any memory, to reconcile any relationship, to forgive any sin, to stretch any budget, to free every captive, and to break any habit. And he has the power 
to cure any disease. Nothing in your life or my life is beyond his power to mend, heal, or restore. So let's quickly look at what does it mean then to keep building my life or keep building my inner life. Let's look at three things just quickly. Building my inner life means, number one, that I trust in him. Let's turn to Psalm 91 verse 1, and look what it says here. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 91 talks about us living in the secret place of the Most High. This secret place isn't a geographical location, but it speaks of a spiritual intimacy that you and I can enjoy with the Lord Jesus Christ every single day of our lives. You know what? That's building your inner life. It's being aware of the abiding Holy Spirit and being conscious of who you are in Christ. It goes on in Psalm 91 verse 2 and it says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. There we again see the power of trust. Do you know that we have access by faith into the secret place of the Most High where no evil can touch you? He is your refuge and your fortress. His word says so. And you know what? Those who trust his word completely find his word completely trustworthy. Believe God. Then have a look at at Psalms 91 verse 3 and 4. It goes on here. The psalmist, he says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will take refuge. His truth will be your shield and your buckler. Again, we see that this intimacy begins to build us up inwardly and it leads us into this covering of God around our lives. You see, when we pray the Psalm 91 as a prayer of protection, it's not some kind of a magical chant we make. It's not some kind of incantation that we declare that grants us protection. It is literally you and I valuing our position in Christ, our close relationship with God, and being able to find ourselves not just in his secret place, but under the covering of his protection. Let me read it in the NLT, verse 4, the second edition. It says this, He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do you remember last week we spoke about the promises of God are ours? So whether your problem is small or big, whether the attack is small or big, or whether you're just facing a daily situation or frustration, God has got you covered. Number two, building your inner life means living a life of praise to him. You know, if we go have a look at the life of Eleazar, turn through to Genesis 24, 26 and 27. I'm reading out of the ESV. It says, Then the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, 
who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. The minute Eleazar realized and encountered the answer to his prayer, God leading him into the situation that he was trusting God for, the very first thing he did was that he bowed his head and he began to worship and give praise to God. I want to encourage us today. One of the most powerful ways that you and I build our inner man, build our inner life, is we spend time in praising, worshiping, and living a life of thanksgiving. Number three, the third way we build our inner life means this, that we continually learn to see ourselves in Christ. See ourselves the way God sees us in Christ. In Romans 2 verse 4, in the NLT uh, second edition, it says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from sin? The more you focus on the goodness of God, the more you recognize it and see it, the more power you have over sin in your life. So let's learn to turn our eyes away from ourselves and begin to look to Jesus, begin to see ourselves enjoying the undeserved favor of God under this new covenant. See yourself forgiven. Call yourself the righteousness of God often. Be occupied with him and his grace will overflow in your life. Like so many people in the Bible who are completely transformed from the inside out. Can I remind you, if you go back six chapters to Genesis 18 and you have a look at verse 14, it says this, God spoke to Abraham and said, if you read the preceding verses in the NLT, it's quite comical because Sarah laughs and says, how can this happen? You know, I'm old, Abraham's old. How can I even enjoy having a child? But look what God says to them in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Abraham was literally living and enjoying the promises of God because of his covenant. So how do I build my inner life? I trust God. I continually spend time in praise and worship and thanksgiving. And I continually see myself in Christ. All right, number seven. The seventh key or the seventh tip that I can apply to my life to keep on this journey is number seven. I must develop and recognize the role of patience and perseverance in the life of a believer. In Genesis 24, 21, in the NRV, it says this about Eliezer. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. What did he do? He waited and he watched. The reality today is we've got to recognize nothing great is ever accomplished without persistence, and without patience. Eliezer is such a good example of patience and persistence. We see his patience in choosing the right woman by laying out a detailed plan. He didn't just have a snap judgment and say, well, this woman's pretty, or this, this is the right person, and make an impulsive decision. No. He watched and he waited. 
You see, success in fulfilling your dreams or overcoming something happens most often to those who are willing to stay for the long haul. They have made the decision, I will not give up until I get what I'm trusting God for. I've discovered in my own life and I've watched it in the lives of countless people over my 30 more years of pastoring. If you keep chopping and changing, if you keep moving the goalposts, if you keep adjusting the things in your life that you think you want or don't want, you never give yourself a real shot at finding success. You know why? Because you're always having to start over again. Sometimes you've just got to dig in your heels and you've got to train yourself. I'm going to grit my teeth. I'm going to keep on moving forward day by day. Otherwise, if you keep changing, if you keep chopping, if you keep moving the goal, what happens is you train yourself in the art of I can't instead of I can. You see, the truth is, People who succeed in life have taught themselves and are willing to do what they don't feel like doing. They're not mastered by their moods. They're mastered by their master. And so they've learned to establish their goals and their plans according to God's will revealed in their lives. You see, for us to take territory, we need to have a long-term view. So when difficulties come, We don't just give up, we persevere and we remain patient so that we can get past it. I love what Rick Warren says, God's timing is always perfect and ours seldom is. So when you find yourself in God's waiting room, be patient and remain persistent. Number eight. This eighth tip that we can apply to our lives to stay on this journey in taking territory for God is this. Success always involves other people. You and I are always going to need others to help us. That is one of the greatest marks of real humility. In Genesis 24, we read from verse 28 in the NLT SE translation. It says, the young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now, Rebecca had a brother named Laban, who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelet on his sister's wrists, and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside his camels. Laban said to him, come and stay with us. You who are blessed by the Lord, why are you standing here outside the town when I have room already for you and a place prepared for your camels? Sometimes you've got to ask yourself, who's in your corner? Because if you're going to make progress, if you're going to be successful, you're going to need others to help you. I am where I am today because other people were willing to help me, willing to be patient, willing to step up and say, come on, pastor, we can do this. Together, we can do more. You know why? Because success is never a one-man job. It always involves teamwork. You know, God wired us that way because you know why? People are valuable. And he wants you and I to learn. The most important thing in life is learning to love other people. The other truth is this. 
along the same lines is there's some things in our lives that will just never be able to change without the support, the prayers, and the encouragement of other people. I want to just take this moment to thank everybody who played a role in my life over the last 40, 50 years. Those who prayed for me, those who gave me a hand up, those who had patience, those who gave wisdom, those who still partner with us together so that we can do things for the kingdom of God. And you know what? I've learned this. That's why it's so important to be part of a local church. Put your roots down. Involve your life in the life of the church. You know, there's so many ways to do it, and we don't want to dictate that to people, but you can be part of a small group. You can get involved in volunteerism. You can get involved in bringing your tithes and offerings. You can get involved in praying and being part of the intercession group. But put your roots into the local church, and you will flourish. Look at Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12. It says, though one may be overpowered by another, two will be able to withstand him. And a threefold cord is not easily broken. This verse teaches you and I that we're stronger together than we are as individuals. Number nine and the final one that we're going to look at today is this. Great goals equals great sacrifice. In Genesis 24 verse 53, we learn that this servant just didn't come there expecting everything to fall in his lap. It says he brought out jewelry of silver, jewelry of gold, much clothing, and he gave them to Rebekah. He also gave her precious things to her brother and even to her mother. You know what? We always need to remind ourselves of the greatest sacrifice ever made. Because you know, nothing in life is really free in this world. The only thing that is free is salvation. And that salvation comes from God through Jesus Christ. And it's free because Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross. It is literally the greatest sacrifice ever made. And we need to remind ourselves of that sacrifice all the time. You see, when we're really serious about taking territory for God and for our lives, we'll be ready to make the sacrifices, to getting our lives focused on Jesus and what he wants for us. In Mark 8 verse 36, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he said, don't begin working towards your goals until you've counted the cost. Great goals require great sacrifice. And the greatest use of your life is to invest it in something that is bigger than yourself. Something that will outlast you and that is always Jesus. It's so important in this moment and in this year that you leverage the spiritual reality. Listen to me today. You are already ahead of the game. You have everything you need because you are complete in Jesus Christ. He finished the work. Now we can get started. You have what it takes because Jesus in you is greater than any limitation around you. Let's pray together. Would you mind if I pray for you? Father, today I ask you to help us to have a clear vision of who you want us to be, what you want us to do, and where you want us to be. 
I pray that as we move into the rest of this year and even the next five years, that your Holy Spirit will become more real to us. That Jesus will be the center of everything we do. And I speak life and healing and victory over every single person here today in Jesus' name. Now, maybe you're here in this moment of prayer and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I would like nothing more than to lead you in the prayer of salvation. So let's pray together. If you'll just pray this out aloud, be sincere in your heart and God will do the rest. Father, I believe today Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross and that you raised Him from the dead for my sin. I accept and receive Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and personal Savior. And I thank you for saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to hear from you. Would you send us a WhatsApp or send us an email and we'll respond. We'd love to communicate with you. We'd love to send you a Bible and a booklet that will explain and help you in these early stages of this incredible decision you've made. And if you want to know more about our church, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit or go through the waters of baptism, send us an email, send us a WhatsApp, and we'll take you on that journey with us. Don't forget to go to rfcfc.com. And if you want to sow a seed today, the SnapScan code is appearing on the screen right now. Or you can go to our website. Our EFT details, our bank details are there to do an EFT. And the SnapScan code is there for you as well. Thank you for your generosity. Keep on serving Jesus. Keep on taking territory for Jesus. And remember, God has more in store for you.